Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I read a text from Paul this on the day in which the Edmonton Football Club announces they will uh, no longer use the uh, team nickname Eskimos. Uh, Paul texts to say, as an environmentalist, I will be starting a campaign to rename the Oilers. We can't continue to support oil in today's climate that comes to us from Paul. He says he was being sarcastic, by the way. He just wanted to point that out. But that's not how he sent the initial text. Oh, man, these are crazy times. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you, along with Brendan Escott on Oilers Now. And on this show, uh, we had one really plugged-in uh, writer. Uh, from uh, Sportsnet, NHL Hockey, and Rogers, and it wasn't Mark Spector. It's our next guest, Chris Johnson, coming up. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. How are you, bud? Good. Long time no talk. Uh, looks like we're going to play some hockey. It certainly is feeling that way, and and you know you probably could have put me in someone who was a little bit cautious about this, especially when training camp we moved to the so-called phase three a week ago. Just because there was no known there, you had half the league that hadn't been been subjected to tests and all that sort of thing. But you know, they, these first this first week has gone really well, and and I think probably if you if you ask people with some true serum at the league, probably even a little bit better than they would have hoped or guessed uh, it would go in terms of the number of positive tests. So we're in a good spot right now, Knockwood, to to see this uh, tournament get started. You know, Chris, some have suggested, and, and you know, 630 Chad, the Oilers rights holder in Edmonton, is, is not just a, a sports station. I mean, it has the uh, the Edmonton Football Club and the Edmonton Oilers uh, as broadcast partners, but it also is a news super station as well. And, and it's been such a part of the narrative in terms of the COVID story. Some have suggested that maybe I've, I've you know, every show done at least – 90 seconds to two minutes on numbers each day and our numbers were so low in may chris but there weren't there wasn't a lot of testing and ontario and alberta have really upped the testing do do people understand in ontario that when you start to open things up and you have the volume of testing that they do that you're gonna see us uh, the numbers start to increase because that's obviously what's happened here in alberta as well do people kind of fundamentally understand that in ontario I think so, and it's it's been sort of, you know, it's been topical here because in Toronto where I live, you know, we haven't opened up to the degree that the rest of the province has at this point. And, and so, you know, I, I do think that that is a part of the conversation. And, you know, our numbers for the size of the city, I think, has been encouraging, but, you know, it's going to continue to happen. And, and certainly there's some talk here that we're going to go to the next phase in terms of having some bars and restaurants open uh, indoors, uh, which so far hasn't been the case. And, and you know, that, that could be time, just as it turns out, around the time, you know, that we have the NHL moving in to, to start the, the, the Eastern Conference hub here in this city. And I can see the headlines already about, you know, what uh, people are going to say if the numbers in Ontario and specifically in Toronto spike just at the moment, uh, this tournament starting here. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, Chris Johnson joining us. Bob Stoffer with you in orders now. And Chris, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays not allowed, uh, did not get clearance, Clarence, from uh, the federal government. 
was that a good situation for Doug Ford? Uh, because the feds made the decision, and John Tory, the mayor in Toronto, and Doug Ford maybe didn't have to be the bad guys in that situation. It's true, although my understanding is, you know, at the provincial level, they were almost overruled. You know, there, there was a report about two days, uh, you know, before this, this decision came down from the federal government that said the provincial government was on board with the Blue Jays' plan. So, you know, it, politically, I think it was, uh, you know, it, not, not a spot that Doug Ford wanted to be in or John Tory, the mayor here in Toronto, because both are pretty ardent, uh, you know, supporters of the local teams and, and, you know, even from a professional standpoint. And I think both would have preferred to see the Jays be allowed to do that. But, you know, I, I think that that decision was far more about, um, you know, the, the fact that the, the Jays are going in and out of the U.S., it's more about it's more a statement on where things are at in the U.S. than anything else, and just a, a discomfort with, uh, you know, how that might expose people in this city and, and in this country to, uh, you know, an increased level of exposure. Chris, we've had a lot of discussion, obviously, on the Edmonton Hub. Can you give our listeners a Coles Notes version in terms of your understanding of how the Toronto Hub might work? Well, the biggest difference to me is that the two hotels being used in Toronto are separated by about two kilometers. So really in, in, in Toronto, you're talking about multiple hubs, so to speak, multiple bubbles, I guess. Uh, you know, one is very close to Scotiabank Arena. There's actually an underground tunnel that'll be closed off that the players and staff can walk uh, from the hotel and into the arena and back and forth. Uh, the other hotel is on the exhibition grounds, and so it's separated a little bit from downtown, still still central, but, you know, it, it's, I think it's easier to secure that area. It's not as much uh, in the middle of the city, but, you know, the team's staying there, and that's that's the spot where the top teams will stay. It's the nicer of the two hotels in terms of facilities. Um, you know, those teams are going to have to bus everywhere, whether it's to the, the practice rink uh, or into where Scotiabank Arena, where they play. And so I think, you know, from a cold zone standpoint, uh, the, the bubble here is a little bit more complex. I think that there's probably going to be more limitations, it's fair to say, placed on the players in terms of what they can do when leaving the hotel, how convenient that is, uh, versus the, the setup in Edmonton. And certainly there's going to be more time for them, you know, I think taking bus rides than my understanding of how things are work for the Western Conference teams there. You know, obviously, with the, the great setup you have right around Rogers Place. Which uh, which two hotels are they using in Toronto, Chris? They're using the, the Royal York, um, you know, famous hotel, old, old CP hotel that's that's recently gone through some upgrades, and that's the one right near the arena. And there's a hotel called the Hotel 10 or Hotel X, uh, and that's that's the one on the exhibition grounds. It's, it's a great hotel for, you know, there's actually regulation tennis courts inside and and it's it's pretty new and, and i think it's it's upper end but you know again just the fact that you can't walk out the door and with your coffee in the morning and go for a stroll you know might be something the players find challenging uh, once they're in there for a few weeks what's been the consensus of the players that you've spoken to uh over the course of the last say six weeks as this thing became closer to becoming a reality the cba extension obviously coming with it uh you know, do you think the players are chomping at the bit here, or is there a little bit of apprehension? I, I sense much more apprehension, to be honest with you, three or four weeks ago. You know, there was a time there where some of the conversation, and I don't think it was invented or was all media creation anyway, that, you know, that there were a significant number of players that had some doubts about this or wondered if it was the right thing to do or something they were comfortable with. 
you know, that that seems to largely have, have calmed down. And I'm sure there's there's still a few out there, uh, as, as I think it would be fair to be. I mean, look, these guys are giving up some personal freedoms to do this. And I understand it's their job, and I understand they're well compensated to do it. I understand there's a chance to win a Stanley Cup. But, you know, this is still, uh, you know, it, it's significantly different than what life is normally like for them. And, and, you know, I think we should at least respect or understand that, that not everyone is going to be comfortable with the setup. But, you know, I think now that you've had guys back in camp, you know, you've had to go to, the, the, I guess, the trouble, if you want to call it that, to either stay in shape or get back in shape. You're back with your teams now. I think that there's a lot more excitement, enthusiasm about this. And if, you, if you've gone through that trouble already, you might as well have a long playoff run and then, you know, make something good out of it. Because I, I do think this will be a pretty good hockey spectacle once we kind of get over these initial few weeks where we're curious about, you know, games with no fans and, and the hub set up and how everyone's getting their hair cut in, inside the bubble. I think, you know, once we kind of get back to something like normal. I mean, this is going to be a playoffs and, and, and you know, there's going to be a chance here for, you know, a group of these guys to, to have a memorable summer slash fall instead of a memorable spring. So what sort of confidence level is in the Toronto market right now for the Leafs? I don't, I don't know if it's that high, you know, in the market, to be honest. I mean, look, I think fans here are conditioned to expect the worst. You know, this is still a franchise that hasn't won a playoff series since 2004. Uh, despite the fact the team has gotten significantly better in the last few seasons. You know, I think some of that is, is due to the fact that they came up against the top five team in the first round in the Boston Bruins the last the last two seasons. Um, but, you know, coming out of this, this pause after so long, I mean, how can any team really know what they're going to be or, or what's right. changed in the league? You know, it's it's such a strange time, and so I think – you know, you, you've probably got some optimistic folks, but honestly, some of the conversation day-to-day around a team is more about shedding this, this idea that they haven't been able to win a playoff series, that, that they, you know, are going to face a team in Columbus that, you know, doesn't have the, the star power on paper or, or, you know, doesn't have the, the kind of contracts they do on the books. But, you know, they, they swept Tampa last year, uh, which is, you know, was a better team last season than the Leafs have been in any of these last few years. So, you know, I don't get the feeling the confidence level is that high, but I've lived here long enough to understand, you know, should the Leafs have some early success here, if they manage to, to get past Columbus in the qualifying round, it's going to go 100 degrees the other way and everyone's going to be fired up and going crazy. And we'll probably be talking from a public service there, or civic standpoint, how do we keep the people out of the streets excited every time the Leafs have to play a game, even though there's no fans in the stands. Well, uh, full disclosure, I took Toronto to beat Boston last year. I just didn't think that Nazem Kadri would get himself suspended for the second consecutive year in the playoffs. So, and I, and you know, Chris, you follow that. I mean, that series goes six games, or did it go seven? I'm trying to remember. The seven. Bot- it went seven. You can't tell me if they didn't have Kadri that it, w- it wouldn't have been possible. I mean, he's a pretty important. He was a pretty important player for Toronto. I know it's what I could have, should have, but if he if he keeps his wits about him and stays in that series. Might have been a different end result, Chris. You never know. Well, the margin was so small, honestly. The Leafs were up one nothing, 2-1, and 3-2 in that series. And if you look at if, whether you believe in shots on goal, scoring chances, underlying numbers, the Leafs had encouraging results in all three. I mean, it was certainly a very close series. Uh, Boston won game seven quite handily and all nice. But other than that, you know, Toronto had its chances there. And, and you know, look, Boston went and played game seven of the cup final. I, I, I think part of... 
the, the Leaf story has to be at least that, that you know, the, this playoff format has been difficult for them. It's not to make excuses, but, um, you know, they, they certainly haven't had easy draws there. And, and I would think the Blue Jackets, at least on paper, sets up as a better odds of them winning a playoff series finally than, than what they've had the last two years. I had a smart aleck just text in on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Says Bob Boston would have won that series uh, if they'd had uh, if Toronto had, even if Toronto had, had Cattery and Nathan McKinnon. I don't agree with that. All right, uh, just want to switch. Speaking of Nathan McKinnon, that's a great transition. Hart Trophy, you're one of the guys that votes on the Hart Trophy. Connor McDavid just had a little bit of fun and said, uh, well, I, I got more confidence in the players making the right decision on Leon than the, the media, and I think he kind of did it tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I know that sports, and I haven't had a chance to watch the video. You guys just popped it up there, Chris. Uh, but uh, I know there was a debate with you and Eric Francis, and I forget who the third guy was from Sportsnet, just on uh, the Hart. What, give me your take on uh, who you think should win the Hart Trophy. Well, Connor's a smart guy on a number of levels because I, I think the fact that we're voting on, at least by definition, two different awards, you know, kind of serves him right. I mean, the fact that it's the player judged to be most valuable to his team is, is you know, technically what the Hart Trophy is supposed to be for. That's what the writers vote on. And I think the fact that Connor's on Leon Dreisaitl's team, you know, at least might have some writers not, not give Leon the number one vote. It's not by any stretch to suggest he won't win. I, I don't know what's going to happen on this one. You know, quite often it is the player that leads the league in, in points, and, and obviously Leon had a tremendous offensive season. He played well when Connor was out injured. You know, it would not surprise me to see him win the hard trophy, but I don't think it'll be quite as much of a slam dunk where you know the, 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 the players with the, the Ted Lindsay award are voting on basically the league MVP straight up. And so... Um, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. I think that Panarin has a, a good case and McKinnon. I mean, I, I, I take no issue with the, the top three, the finalists, uh, but I, I think you can make different cases within that about what three they end, end up in. If I'm guessing, if I had to bet, I would say Dreisaitl is going to win it, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see what, uh, what shakes out with all these votes. Chris, I think you could have made a defensible argument for uh, a guy that's not even in the final three, and that's David Pasternak. I think he could have been in the mix. McKinnon can be in the mix. Panarin can be in the mix. And Leon. So there you go. Lots of different perspectives on it. Who are you taking out east? Who are you taking out west? Or is it too early? I'm going to take Vegas out of the west. Uh, east, I don't know, man. Boston or Tampa, whoever gets through there. But, the, you know, that's that's hardly a hot take. But let's face it, this is going to be the one year that we're probably going to have more upsets than ever. I think that I'm, I'm fair in thinking that. And so maybe let's get crazy and call Toronto Edmonton and have my boss at the Sportsnet doing cartwheels in the, in the hallways. Uh, you know what? I would block slap shots in the new to make that happen, but nobody would want to see it. So uh, there we go. Chris, awesome stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, we'll see you in September, Bob. Yvette, that is Chris Johnson from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 148 in Edmonton. Uh, we are going to tell you that the best pizza in the city is still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer, recommendation from Royal Pizza's The Mediterranean 
chicken. Chris Johnson is our Oilers Now headliner for touchback safety from fall protection to forklift training. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. And Brennan Escott's ready to bring you the Oilers Now injury report. For James H. Brown, injury lawyers, when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. What do you got, Brennan? Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves left practice early yesterday, but head coach Jeremy Colleton said the move was just to keep him fresh. I don't know about you. I'm feeling pretty fresh four months into this. Uh, Blues coach Craig Berube says Jay Bomeister is back home here in Canada, will not join the Blues in Edmonton, though, when the time comes. That was probably a given as well. Yeah. Uh, Avalanche rookie stud Kale McCarr missed practice the last two days after leaving Saturday's skate early. Head coach Jared Bednar will not comment on why, but said that he is day-to-day. Max Domi skated with the Habs again, but wearing a, uh, a jersey to distinguish him as somebody not at full conditioning is how it went in John Liu's tweets. So he's skating there, but still not at 100%. And in Boston, I can't make heads or tails of this Pasternak situation. Both he and McAvoy missed this morning's skate, but Pasternak had missed time last week, jumped back into the lineup. I'm not sure, but it doesn't sound like he's in danger of missing any playoff games. So We'll take a two-minute timeout. We're going to play a clip here from President CEO of the EE football team, Chris Presson, and get to the stay in Oilers history when we return on Oilers now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6.30 Shed. Oscar Clefbaum doing smart today in the six-on-five drill prior to practice. Obviously remains on the Oilers' uh, number one power play unit. Old saying in the car business, cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. Outstanding customer service is a key to successful businesses as well. Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with an outstanding service at the time of the purchase. They'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. You can let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand. They've got all the... Uh, social distancing and all the safety things in place at Brent Ridge Ford as well at one 877 or go online at brentridge.com. To this day in Oilers history, a bit of a sad note, uh, but uh, here's Brendan Escott. Yeah, back in 1943, former Oiler Bill Cowboy Flett was born down Highway 16 in Vermilion, Alberta. He played in Edmonton for four seasons from 1976 through the uh, 79-80 season, which was his last as a professional hockey player. He passed away in 1999 at just 55 years old after spending some time as a scout for the Oilers. I went to uh, high school at Harry Ainley with Bill's son, Dean Flett. Uh, Bill was uh, a uh, prolific uh, goal scorer. He sniped 40 for the Philadelphia Flyers. He had a couple real good years um, and was... In terms of the World Hockey Association, before Wayne Gretzky got here, he might have been the biggest star on the team at that time. Uh, no question about that. Sad that he passed away back in 1999. All right. Uh, big day involving the Edmonton Football Club. Chris Preston is coming up with Jalen Nye after uh, 2 o'clock today. Uh, uh, after our show wraps up in orders now, but we are going to play a brief uh, clip from him uh, with the availability that took place about uh, 30 minutes ago. Today's news can only be viewed as one of the most monumental and historic occasions in the history of our club. When you look at what's going on around our world, here in the great province of Alberta, through the wonderful city of Edmonton, all the way down to our team, things have been challenging recently. Edmonton is not a very big place and it's pretty far north, but every sports fan in North America has heard of Edmonton. They know it is one of the truly great sports cities. 
Edmonton people support their teams. They come out to games. They wear your, their colors. They stand by their teams through the winning streaks and the dry spells. I think we have the best fans, not only in our city, but in this league. That's why I feel confident that our fans will support us through this historic name change. This is tough for longtime fans, no question. But here's the thing. We're all a team. Our team and game day itself are designed to unite people. The word team means two or more people working together. Our game is designed to bring people together for a half day so they can leave their worries and struggles behind. Now more than ever, we all need a mental break. We need unity, not divisiveness. So what happens next? To be honest, we're not very far down that path yet. I can't give you a specific timeline or process, but the chance to choose a new name for the future of this team, a name that captures those Edmonton values, that's a great opportunity. We don't have a new name yet, but the list of possibilities is growing every day. Already every 6.30 shed talk show and every physically distanced barbecue is talking about nothing but new name possibilities. We're listening to all of it. We want to engage our fans in helping us pick the new name. We do have to ask for your patience. COVID has hit us hard financially, just like every sport and entertainment business. It will take time to change all the places that mention the Eskimo name, and we will be working on that process as funds allow as we go forward. We're looking forward to being back in front of our own great fans on the brick field. Whenever that happens, that's when we want to launch our new identity. I can tell you that we sure love our green and gold and our double E. It's early days, but we hope to keep that iconic logo. Finally, I want to express our strongest gratitude to our sponsors and our season seat holders. They have seen us through difficult conversation and we literally could not be here without them. Indeed, we are counting on our sponsors and season seat holders to give us more than just moral support over the next few months. Branding isn't cheap and we need to get this right. We need those great companies and those great season seat holders behind us. To everyone on the football team, I hope you'll join me in respecting our past and looking ahead to the future. A future of prosperity, not one of despair. A future of building upon the wonderful legacy the Eskimo name stood for to us. We haven't forgotten the blood, sweat, and tears of the past. The legacy of the name will forever be ingrained on the hearts and minds of us all. The Knothole Gang will still be the Knothole Gang, and your green and gold will continue to prevail. We ask you now more than ever to come together and be united. Unite for the players, unite for the alumni, this great city, and your great team. The memories are always going to be there, and we hope you will be too. We need your help in building a new legacy and a new dynasty with a new name. All right, that's Chris Presson. Uh, he's the CEO of the Eskimos. He's been here about what, about a year and a half, two years now. Uh, he's coming up next with Jalen Nye on 6.30 Chet Afternoons. We'll have Brian Lawton, David Staples, John Shannon, amongst others uh, tomorrow. Reed Wilkins tonight at 6. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.